0: This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in Dorado Springs. Thank you ladies. Uh, What a great song. If you would just open your Bibles please to the book of Matthew chapter 22 and uh, while you're you're finding that I just want to say that that God is doing a work here and and I know on a Sunday morning you aren't always aware of everything that goes on during the week and, and that's all sometimes good but Sometimes it's bad. Um, this past week I had the privilege of baptizing a couple of people in in, in a very, very cold creek. A um, couple of people who had given their hearts to the Lord. And so just we rejoice with that. And then someone else came to me um, and just said, uh, you know, I, God has done a work in my heart. And I also want to be baptized. I want to give public witness to that. And so... We uh, we thank God for what He is doing not only Sunday morning. I'm so glad that He not only works Sunday morning, but He also works every day of the week. And uh, so I just uh, wanted to share that with you. As pastor of this church, and this is really painful for me, but I'm well aware that I'm not the number one reason you keep coming back to this church. I'd like to think that I am, but I know better. I'm also aware that this building is not the number one reason that you um, you keep coming to this church. And for a small community, we are truly blessed. This is not a not the Taj Mahal, um, but not too communi- uh, many communities of our size have a church building that is as functional. and And it's not about a building. Uh, the angels don't rejoice over a new building. But it provides different options and it will even be better in the next couple of months when our addition is completed. But beautiful buildings, even though they may initially attract people, they don't keep people long term. And then our music as as wonderful as it is, and, and and Jim was quite kind of regretting the fact that he was soloing today, but I just felt God used his ministry and it was good and and uh, we have amazing music here, but that doesn't keep people coming long term. And, and there are other features of this church that add so much value. The kids department and, and the youth departments and then our 55 and Alive group for senior adults. We're, we're, we're truly blessed in this church. However, when it comes to seeing people stay connected to a body of believers... Buildings programs, pastoral staff they do not do the trick. I believe the top, if not the number one reason people get connected to a church and find their ministry that their niche in ministry and truly thrive in their relationship with Jesus Christ. It happens because of friendships If people truly love each other and establish friendships they 'll probably put up with the pastor or or whomever, or whatever else they may not like. But if they don't establish friendships, it doesn't matter how good everything else is, they'll probably leave. And and this is what troubles me. When somebody leaves the church over something like this, most of the time they don't go and connect to another church because they lump every church into the same category of, well, they just don't care. Now, in a church, pastors frequently talk about the greatest commandment. You, you've heard that. Many of you would know that. Let me just remind you of it. In Matthew 22, verse 36, it's, they were asking, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Mind, this is the first and the greatest commandment. So there it is, the greatest commandment. And most churches, and we try here, we we try to emphasize that, that the greatest commandment of of love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. But Jesus also talks about the second greatest commandment. And, and, And churches, including ours we generally tend to not emphasize the second greatest commandment as much. And, and, and if we do talk about it, then the church runs the risk of being accused of being, oh, they're one of those shallow churches. The second greatest command follows the first greatest command, verse 39. A second is equally important. Catch that? Equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself all the other commandments and and all the uh, the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments so so today at the risk of being accused of being one of those shallow churches we want to spend some time talking about this commandment that jesus identified as the second greatest commandment charles swindoll the that great radio teacher and 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 pastor of of, a mega church he made an interesting observation he said this the neighborhood bar is possibly the best counterfeit that there is to the fellowship Christ wants his church to have it's an imitation dispensing liquor instead of grace escape rather than reality And, and, and those of you that have been to bars you would understand this Swindoll said it's an accepting and inclusive fellowship. You you can tell people secrets, and they usually don't tell others or even want to. The bar flourishes not because most people are alcoholics, but because God has put into the human heart the desire to know and be known, to love and be loved, and so many seek a counterfeit at the price of a few beers so god created us with the need to love and be loved by others we need friends now i know that there are those who will proudly say well i don't need nobody yes you do and i've learned that those who say something like that generally have been hurt They've been burned, and so they go into a shell. They put up a wall, pretend that they don't need anyone, but they do. You need friends. I need friends. We all need friends. Now, speaking of friends, just if you're going to accuse me of being, you know, a shallow church here, I'll just add to the the fire here, but um, for a fun little exercise, take your sermon uh, the place for your sermon notes right there. There's, there's an open area and, and I want you to take a pen. I want everybody to do that. Okay. Nobody just, just looking at me, staring at me here, but I want you to take a moment and write down the names of your closest friends. Okay. Can you do that? Pen or pencil, write down the names of your closest friends. And when I say friends, don't write down your spouse or your kids. Don't write down the name of Jesus. You know, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Don't write down your dog or certainly don't write down your cat. Um, and Ryan, don't write down your imaginary friend that you talk to all the time. Okay, don't do not do that. Write write down the the names of your closest friends. And this is just for you. So be honest. You're not going to show this to me. So just be honest. I'll give you a few seconds here. Some of you are thinking, I thought I had a friend, but I can't remember their name. (laughs) You know, while you're maybe finishing that assignment up, let me share a few things that sociologists and leadership experts say. They say that you are the average of your five closest friends. In almost every area of your life, you will be somewhere in the middle, the average of your five closest friends. So chances are financially you'll be somewhere kind of in the middle. You probably won't make the most money, may not make the least money. You'll be in the middle of the pack of the five people that you run with. If you're a partier, if you took drugs or got tipsy this past week, I hope you didn't. But if you did, chances are that two or three of your closest friends did the same thing as well. It's uh, It's also true in your walk with God. If you're a person that is fully committed to God, pursuing Him with, with all of your heart, chances are two or three of those people on your list are also pursuing God with all of their heart. You'll be the average of your five closest friends because your mom was right when she said, birds of a feather flock together. Now, as, as you look at those people that you listed as your closest friends, two questions arise. Number one, Are you hanging with the right people? I mean, think about every area of your life. You want to have a good marriage? Are you hanging with people with a good marriage? Or are you hanging with those that are always griping about their spouse? Do you want to be stronger financially? Well, are you hanging with people that understand how to manage money? Or are they always broke? Do you want to be stronger spiritually? Well, are you hanging with those who have a heart for God? Do you want to be in better physical shape? Well, are you hanging with people who work out or with people who eat donuts for a hobby? In almost every area of your life, you're the average of your five closest friends. Second question, are you loving those friends as much as you love yourself? All right, let's quickly define Friendship. And Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17, in the FB version, do you know what that is? Facebook version. Here is the definition of a friend. A friend is someone who accepts your friend request on Facebook and they click like and make positive comments about your posts. That's the FB Facebook version. Of course, that's not a real translation. So let's go to the NIV. Here's what it says. A friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. And and, and actually another translation says a brother is born to help in time of need. So a friend loves at all times. And and wouldn't it be amazing if if you had some friends, maybe four or five, six, seven, eight, eight friends who loved you all the time? not just for a short season of your life. You know, most of our friendships are short-term. We had our elementary friends, and then we moved on to our junior high friends, and then we had our high school friends, and we became adults. And, and as adults, I, I've noticed this here with some of you, you, you change friends about every year or two. And I don't know what happens. You get tired of them and dump them, or, or they hurt your feelings, and you move on. But but I'm talking about having friendships that last for decades where you learn from them and they learn from you and you motivate each other to be more godly and, and they love you enough to kick you in the backside when you're about to do something really dumb. And you love them enough to celebrate with them and not be jealous when they get a promotion and when they get a new car and when they get a new house. and Or, or they love you enough to cry with you during those times that you hurt. But the problem is, according to studies, is that very few of us have long-lasting friends anymore. In fact, very few of us have many friends at all. According to the American Sociological Review, the average American today only has two close friends. And that might not sound terrible, but 25 years ago, the average American had six close friends. And so in a little over two decades, our close friendships have declined by two-thirds. And what's even more disturbing is that 25% of Americans, or one in four, report that they do not have one single close friend they can trust. There's something desperately wrong with this picture. Here, God created us with the need to love and to be loved. And have friends be a vital part of our lives, yet friendships are on the decline. Why is this happening? Well, I don't know all of the reasons, but, but a few reasons for declining friendships. Number one, increasing work hours. Most Americans are strapped financially, and there are different reasons for that. One is the economic situation in our country. I, I mean, times are tough. It's, it's hard to survive in America these days. But another reason is that we as a society do not know how to operate from a budget. Beginning with Congress, on down to us. We are a charge at society. Put it on plastic, which enables us to buy even though we can't afford it. And that creates financial hardship, which means we have to work a lot of extra hours just to be able to pay the bills. And so at the end of the day, we either don't have the time to develop friends, relationships, or we simply don't have the energy. The, the second reason friendships are declining, and I think this will probably speak to some of you, is divorce. Divorce is so hard on a lot of people. And I say that with a heaviness. It's, it's not with a critical or mean spirit. In fact, my heart always goes out to those who have gone through a divorce. And it's not the unforgivable sin. People can recover from this. And, and they can do a reboot in their lives. And, and And they can finish well. But there's no hiding the fact that divorce is tough. You know... She gets the kids on these days, he gets the kids on these days, and she gets the house, and he gets this. But but here's the point I want to make. Divorces are also hard on friendships because in a divorce, friends generally take sides. And so he gets that friend, she gets that friend. And then after the divorce, most of the time, they don't feel comfortable going to the same church and so on, or sometimes both will drop out of church and basically lose contact with their church family. Number three, and more and more sources are saying that one of the top reasons for declining friendships is the explosion of social media. And, and I know that sounds crazy. You would think by the phrase, social media, that that would be, mean that we're more social. Not according to studies. Now, before... We, I I get into this. Let me say that I am not against social media as some people are. You know, every once in a while, uh, social media will be mentioned in a negative light. People will come up to me after the service and with pride say, Pastor, I just want you to know I don't have a Facebook account. I don't have internet at home. I don't even have a smartphone. And they want me to kind of stroke them. and, And you can tell they feel like they're more godly. And just for the record, social media has nothing to do with how spiritual you are. Just because you're not on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter doesn't mean you're any more godly. And it may just mean that you don't have the technological ability to do those things. But anyway, having said that, social media is redefining the way that that we connect with our friends. For example, years ago, I can guarantee that none of you, none of you would have ever thought about picking up the telephone and calling every friend that you have across the world just to tell them what you had for breakfast. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? But now people think nothing of broadcasting, well, I'm having Lucky Charms, or pancakes, or oatmeal for breakfast, and they will take a selfie with their beautiful bowl of oatmeal and post it for the world to see. Or you go out to eat at a particular restaurant and as soon as the food comes, you take a selfie with that huge pile of curlicue french fries on your plate and send it to the world. I, I thought about showing some of the selfies that some of you have posted. <laughs> but I decided to spare you that embarrassment. Well, continuing on, what experts say is that the explosion of social media has caused us to not be nearly as concerned with face-to-face relationships as we are with our online image. You know, what we'll do is we'll take a picture of ourselves, and if we don't like it, we'll take another one another one. You've got to make sure that we don't look too fat. And we'll edit it to make sure that the light is perfect and the shadows are gone and, uh, and on and on. And then, then we'll carefully craft the perfect statement and upload it and wait for our friends to like it. And we'll keep checking back. And and as people start clicking like, we feel pretty good because we got 30 likes in 30 minutes. And we say, ooh, people really liked my picture. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it's created a false sense simply because 30 people clicked like. We're led to believe that we're being social. And we're led to believe that we're interacting with our friends but as someone said when all when all of our social interaction is on social media then we find ourselves more alone than ever before which leads me to say this uh, all of the connecting we do through social media must be a supplement to real life relationships rather than a replacement you know social media relationships are good but they cannot be the only means of social interaction we have. Now, for the last uh, segment today, I want us to go back to the second great commandment and rediscover the lost art of loving each other. And, and I want to just I've narrowed down the 50 points down to about two. The first principle I want to emphasize is that loving people primarily should take place face to face. And a good motto for us to learn would be this. I will develop my friendships face to face, not just thumb to thumb. I mean, think about it this way. When Jesus called his disciples, he didn't say, you know, just follow me on Facebook or Instagram. Or I'll, What I'll do is I'll, I'll tweet out principles that I want you to follow and then I want you to retweet them to the rest of the world. He didn't say that. Do you know what he said? He said, come Follow me. In other words, we'll eat together. We'll serve people together. We'll pray together. We may even play together. We'll have fellowship together. We'll develop friendships together. And Jesus was saying that the best way I can mentor you and disciple you is face to face, not through a book, not through technology, not through social media. And by the way, this is kind of off point, but since I'm speaking, I have the right to do whatever I want here, kind of. I read something that I thought was super interesting. Researchers are saying that our children, and so parents, listen up, and, and grandparents, our children are often more upset with their parents' obsession with technology than parents are with their children's obsession with technology. And here's the reason. Because our children many times can't get our undivided attention because we're texting, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, researching the latest trend on Pinterest. We've got to write one last post, click one more like. So, parents, I suggest that you have those times with your children where you silence all forms of social media and you devote your full attention to your kids. You know, the world can temporarily get along without your marvelous posts or your likes. Or your texts, and and by the way, you don't have to answer every text that you get immediately. You know, I I don't know how I got on. I, I'm on some threads where there are, you know a whole bunch of different people. And this a couple of weeks ago, I, I got a text, and you know I saw all of these numbers that I didn't even recognize. I thought, oh boy, it's going to be busy the next couple of hours, and it was. You know, everybody answering some silly little nothing, and Um, You know, the world can temporarily get along without your response. And and again, many of the things we do on social media are good. You know, we text a friend, we encourage them, we help them work through an issue. But in so doing, many times we neglect our kids and and we put more importance. And, you know, our kids are saying, you know, they're asking us a question. You say, let me just answer this last text. Let's devote our full attention to our kids. Jesus said, Come follow me. And as we follow Jesus, the writer of the Hebrews, of Hebrews, said something that couldn't have been any more spot on for our particular time in history. He said in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, he said, Think of ways to encourage one another. Catch this, I love this, to outbursts of love and good deeds. Isn't that cool? Outbursts. So so think of some ways, uh, spend some time pondering how to be creative, how to come up with ways to encourage one another with outbursts of love, with, with an aggressive, over-the-top, on-purpose effort to show good deeds to one another, which incidentally requires a face-to-face meeting. And a convicting question to ask here is when was the last time you got together with your friends for some outburst of good deeds in the name of Jesus? And that's why we're encouraging you on this evening, it's just a test run, once a month until the end of the year to get together with some people besides your family, besides your close clique of friends and, and have some face. To face time. Well, the Hebrew writer continues on in, in verse twenty-five and says, "And let us not neglect our meeting together." And, and and I did a little bit of research into this word "meeting together," and and the word for meeting in the original Greek text is only used twice in the entire New Testament, and it means to meet physically with a spiritual purpose. So let's not neglect our meeting. Physically, for a spiritual purpose together, as some people do. You know anybody that does that? They've neglected coming together physically for a spiritual purpose? So, here it is saying, let's not neglect our meeting together, as some people have done, but encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of His coming back, again, is drawing near. You see, there's, there's power in meeting together physically, for a spiritual purpose. And that's why just watching our services live stream every Sunday is not enough. That's why listening to our radio broadcast every Sunday morning is not enough. These are wonderful tools designed for those who are unable to come to church. Maybe they're sickness or they're, they're homebound. Maybe live stream for those who go out of town for the weekend and, and they want to stay connected. But, but these are not to replace... Physically meeting together face-to-face. It's interesting, recently I was in a local establishment and, a, and a, lady, a lady heard me talking with someone and and she came up to me and she said, are you on radio on Sunday mornings? And you never know what's going to follow whenever that question is asked. And so I thought about, you know, deny it, say, no, I'm, you must have me mixed up with someone else, but... I, I I was truthful and and i said well, well yes i I, I am and, and I asked, Why do you ask and she said well i 've never met you, um, but I listened to you every Sunday, and when I heard the voice i didn 't know what you looked like, but I heard the voice across the room, I recognized that voice that I listened to on sunday mornings and and you know i i 'm always humbled and and i don 't know her situation i i don 't know if she works every sunday i i, I don 't know i, I don 't even know her name but but unless you work every sunday or or you 're sick every Sunday, then listening to the radio or watching our live stream feed is is not enough because the bible says don 't neglect meeting physically for a spiritual purpose together there 's something about meeting together face to face there there's something about encouraging each other face to face there there's something that happens when when two or three face to face gather in his name and i kind of alluded to this earlier when i was talking about our kids but um you know whether it's in the church situation or friends or family you should also not just be physically present, but you should be emotionally present. Because you can be there and and not be there. You know what I'm talking about? Um, how many times do you go to a restaurant and you see a family of four or five sitting there? and What are they all doing? They're all looking at their phones. Texting all of them. And sometimes I want to go up to them and say, hey, just talk to each other. You don't have to text each other. You're right there. And so wherever you are, not only be present physically, but be present emotionally. So face-to-face matters. Secondly, we develop friendships and and help fulfill the second greatest commandment, heart-to-heart. And here I'm talking about opening ourselves being transparent, being vulnerable to people. In fact, there, there, there's no verse that's more powerful, perhaps, than James chapter 5, verse 16, where it says, "...confess your sins to whom?" To one another, to each other. Uh, not just to God, but to each other. And it says, "...and pray for each other, one another, so that you may be healed." You know, I really think that we would be so much further up the line if, if we would get together with our trusted Christian friends and just opened up and said, "...man, I'm struggling." yeah, I'm struggling with anger. You know, I feel like I was treated unjustly at work and and I'm struggling with anger. Would you please help me pray that I could work through this and not hold on to this? Or, you know, I'm struggling with bitterness because I feel like my ex did me dirty and I've tried to let go of it, but I can't. And would you please pray for me that I could rise above this? Or, or I'm struggling with discouragement, with depression. you know, my kids seem to be losing the desire to be in church, and, and I'm really down. Would you please join me and help me carry this load? You know, we may impress people with our strengths, but we connect people with people through our weaknesses. You know, it's when we're transparent, it's when we're vulnerable that we connect with people, it's when we drop that fake image of, I have it all together, and and we're transparent and say, here's what makes me afraid. I'll just be honest. Here's what the fears that I have. Or or here are some temptations that I can't seem to get a, a, a handle on. And as we open up, then then our friends in a non-judgmental way can give some input and, and encouragement. And maybe even at times show some tough love. And And just think how... Face to face and heart to heart together, we can help lift each other. And and as iron sharpens iron, we could make each other better people and and spur each other on to what? Outbursts of love and good deeds. So as we um, come in for our landing, remember these two statements face to face, heart to heart. If you don't have face-to-face friends that connect heart-to-heart, then you're missing out on God's plan for your life. You know, we were not created to be independent Lone Rangers. You do need some people, somebody in your life. We all need people around us. We are incomplete without His body and His church. But it will never happen by accident. If you're one that says, well, I just can't find any friends and... You know, I'm I'm sorry I don't accept that statement. I told you last week, I'm not on the mercy committee around here. My wife is. I'm on prophecy committee, leadership committee, and I try to have mercy, but boy, it's selective mercy sometimes. But, you know, for people to say, well, I I just can't find any friends... I think the first step in finding friends is stop blaming others. You know what I've done before and finally realize what I've done. You know, I, I'm not a native to this community. I'm a transplant. I didn't grow up here. We came through here a couple of years when my parents were missionaries, but I'm not from this area at all and so I know what it is whenever you come into a community like this and it's a tight knit community and And I I used to say, you know, here I've been in this community how many years and I still don't fit in. And maybe it's just the nature of who I am. And sometimes we blame the community. Well, I just can't find friends. Or sometimes we blame the church and say, well, you know, this church has way too many cliques. But there's a verse, that I think, that addresses this in the book of Proverbs, chapter 18, verse 24. It says this, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. And I've seen it here. I've seen people that have come in and, and they have uh, been friendly and they're, they're surrounded with friends so quickly. And others come in, they're standoffish and they're not friendly and... And they leave the church and they say, you know, I just couldn't find any friends. You know, if, if, if you are one that maybe feels like that you're friendless, maybe you need to initiate the process. And I think as we show ourselves friendly to each other, we will find ourselves with many friends. And as we serve God together and serve others together, I believe we will fulfill the second greatest command of loving our neighbor as ourself. So what are the takeaways from here? You need someone. You need to be connected to the body of Christ. You need some friends. And you develop your true close friends not just thumb to thumb, but face to face and heart to heart. And so as, as we leave here today, could I challenge you this week to uh, find some people? Do some outbursts of love. That That sounds cool, doesn't it? Outbursts of love and good deeds. Let's ask God to help us love people as much as we love ourselves. Lord, I know that You know, a practical message like this doesn't have the deep theology. But Lord, I believe that it's something that we as a body of believers, we need. We need each other. We need friends. We not only need to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, just every fiber within us. But Father, I pray that we would then love each other as much as we love ourselves. Lord, for those here this morning that maybe are feeling, well, I'm not connected, I don't have any friends, I pray that you would help them to show themselves friendly. And then for those that are thinking, well, I don't need anybody, you know, I, all I need is just my family, us four and no more, I pray, God, you would help them to understand that uh, one of these days those kids may be gone. And Lord, we need each other as friends. And so, Lord, I pray that our relationships would be developed face-to-face and, and heart-to-heart. And, God, that we would fulfill the second greatest commandment that You stressed. And, Lord, if You talked about it being the second greatest commandment, it's probably something that's really, really important in our lives. And so, Lord, we thank You again for the instructions in Your Word that help us in our daily walk with You and our daily walk with each other. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. And then they got together this evening in the name of Jesus for some outbursts of love and good deeds. You're dismissed. You've been listening to the Sunday Morning Message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.